Hello, friend, and welcome to the U-Turn Podcast. This is your host, Ashley Stahl. I'm a career expert, a speaker, and a best-selling author of the book, U-Turn. Get unstuck, discover your direction, design your dream career. I wrote the U-Turn book and created this podcast to help you reconnect to who you truly are at your core. And that's why every single week, I bring a guest on with the intention of helping you upgrade your confidence in work and in love. I'm also so excited to say that this episode has been sponsored in part by our friends over at Soul CBD. This is the only CBD company I've come to fully trust with my wellness, and I'm so excited to share with you one of their brand new products, Harmony. That's H-A-R-M-O-N-I. Harmony is a doctor-formulated blend to ease PMS symptoms. I was a part of the beta testing for this line, and wow, it has been a game changer. So Harmony is a CBD product that actually offers that PMS relief. And if you're anything like me, PMS comes with cramps and cravings and kind of feeling like a bloated roly-poly, just rolling around. But since I started taking these little gummies each month, my symptoms have lessened and I feel more like myself no matter where I'm at in my cycle. This combination of CBD, dandelion root, B6, and magnesium make this little gummy so worth it. And their raspberry lemonade flavor seriously stops my sweet tooth from taking over. And we all know I have a sweet tooth. So the co-founder, Angie Lee, developed this product after struggling through her own journey with intense PMS. And I'm so excited to share them with you now. As you may know, our friends over at Soul CBD have given us a discount code for 15% off your order. Can't suggest it enough. Head on over to ashleystall.com. That's A-S-H-L-E-Y-S-T-A-H-L.com slash soul, S-O-U-L, to access our special page with them. And don't forget to use your code U-Turn at checkout. That's Y-O-U-T-U-R-N. Now let's get into this week's episode. Chemistry is actually not visual, by the way. Chemistry is through smell. Our first sign of sexual attraction is through the sense of smell. Hmm. If you don't have that, it doesn't matter if you gain 20 pounds, 30 pounds or not, chemistry is going to die off. U-turn friends, it's Ash here. And we all know that I love the love category. And I, as usual, try to open up and be vulnerable in service to anyone else who's going through what I'm going through. And because we're all one, usually it's the case. I wanted to bring Dr. Eva Brown onto the show. She's a couples and intimacy specialist, a licensed therapist. She does coaching worldwide. Um, her company in Florida is called Couples Seeking Solutions. She has a new company she's working on called Sacred Partners. And she can she is a cybernetician, which is someone who specializes in systems thinking and an emotiontologist. So there's so much that we can ask her. And I wanted to focus today on the stages of dating in new relationships and how to set yourself up for success. So this episode is for you. If you've been in a long-term relationship and you kind of think your dynamics need a refresh, it could be very helpful to kind of look at what are those foundational layers for something new so you can kind of bring that back into your relationship. Or those of you who are dating or in a newer relationship, what are some of those considerations you need to have? We're going to talk about timelines, maintenance, the first six to 12 months, when to be intentional about the lifespan and stages of a relationship so much. Um, So here, without further ado, thank you so much for coming on, Dr. Eva. 
Thank you, Ashley. I appreciate it. I'm really excited to have this conversation with you and get, you know, vulnerable about all these processes because I think a lot of people are either, you know, in a relationship, beginning a relationship or getting out of a relationship. And I think it would be fun to talk about all the different stages and what to watch out for, you know? Yeah. It's going to be great. Yeah. I, I see. Okay. So most people actually I haven't really mentioned this on the podcast, but I am, everyone knows that I was in a, well, whoever's listening for a while, they know that I was in a long-term relationship and I, we parted ways, such a good person. We parted with a lot of love and it was very complete, um, at least on my side. And I think on his too, in some ways. So it was a very completed relationship. I moved to New York city and I told myself, I'm going to date up a storm and have so much fun. And within, um, maybe like three to four months of me and my partner breaking up, I met someone and I I really wanted to keep enjoying dating, but this person was so special that I finally got locked, locked it down and I'm in (laughs) relationship. And so I kind of feel like, um, I don't know, like a little baby, like on training wheels. It's been a while since I've been in a new thing and, you know, you've got lust, you've got love, you've got dropping the L word. And then you also got the other stuff of, you know, setting yourself up for success. So, um, I'm particularly curious to ask you about those stages of dating. I think it's always really interesting, especially because right now I feel like my brain is, I feel all the chemicals in my brain with the new partner. And yeah, dopamine, dopamine high. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. So I'm like, okay, is that really how I feel? Or is that the chemicals talking? So I would love Hmm. to, Mm -hmm. Um, yeah, just get your take on like, what are some things that people need to consider when they're in that new place or if they're in a longer relationship and they want to give it a refresh? Yeah. Well, I think it's a really you know broad question, right? So like, let's dial this in a little bit more, right? To this point of like, love is ever evolving, right? It doesn't matter if you're at the beginning or the end stages, it's always evolving, right? So you're in like, you know, the getting to know you stage, figuring out like, what are his triggers? What are your triggers? Right. Mm -hmm. Um, you know, what is his mindset? What's his character? What's his integrity? Like, you know, same for you. He's learning you. It's like, you guys are really enveloping yourself in the cloud of love. Of course, there's all those beautiful chemicals and amazing things that are going on in the body as well. Right. But the truth is, is that we don't really know someone until you've had like a couple of years under your belt with them, right? It's kind of like, because you know, a lot of my couples come in, they're like, oh, the first year of our relationship was nothing like this. And then, da, 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 you know, everything just kind of went downhill after that, whether it be triggers, defense mechanisms, unhealthy projection, um, sacred, you know, sexuality blocks, right. Or intimacy blocks, which is what I work through a lot with my couples, you know? So it just depends on the people and the person, right. Who are, who am I dating and what work have I done on myself that I'm bringing into this relationship, which I like to call like self attunement and then partner attunement. And we'll kind of get into that as we unpack this today, Ashley, but in the beginning stages, like, let's say, you know, you're a couple months into the relationship already, you've kind of already vetted your partner, right? Mm-hmm. Um, you know, kind of figured out like, hey, you know, who is this person that I'm dating? But at the very beginning, you know, when you're like first going out on dates, let's kind of bring it back to the origin of like, maybe people that are listening that are single right now, and they're not in a partnership, but they're like looking for love, right? Let's talk about like, the idea of they're out on a dating site, you know, there's all types of ghosting and stuff going on in the dating culture these days, which 
ghosting is a whole nother topic. I don't agree with it, you know, but it's one of those things like it's figuring out what are you really looking for and how healthy do you want your partner to be? Because we're all on the healthy continuum, right? (laughs) Especially if we're in like the conscious world, the relating world, the health coach world, or whatever the case might that, but that not everyone is, you know, not everyone is in that construct of reality all the time. So a lot of it is brand new. So like, let's say you have someone that comes in with a lot of work that they've done on themselves, but the person that they're falling in love with hasn't done as much work. You know, there's kind of like this, this growth ego that forms around it. Right. And that's a whole nother bag of worms that we can. Yeah. I want to talk about that because I do think that especially me working in personal development, but a lot of people listening to this podcast, I mean, Clearly, if they're listening, they're development-minded people. And I think right. that's something, you know, interesting in the spiritual world or the development world where, you know, there's a snobbery to, I think, thinking that there's one way to develop, right? So we're all here listening right. to podcasts or going to therapy. And maybe you have someone else mm-hmm. who's never gone to therapy or never listens to podcasts or read books, but there's somehow this spiritual being in their own way. They're a very generous person. They're very connected to their right. dealer, whatever. And so I'm curious to get an initial take from you on, what do you have to say about that? Because I have a lot of very beautiful friends who are with men who are a little bit more mentally, they lead with their mind versus the friends lead with their soul, their heart. And Mm -hmm. uh, sometimes they want to go deeper and their partner doesn't want to go there. And it's not like they won't go there with them. It's more just like, about life. Like I have a lot of friends who have big questions about life and we all talk about it and then they go home to their partner and their partner doesn't want to indulge in that. So just curious what what you have on that kind of a thing. Well, you know, it's like my husband and I, you know, when we first started dating, you know, he had no, no therapy, no psychology background, you know, no, nothing. Frankly, I didn't either. You know what I mean? I was in my undergraduate getting into my master's and then you know, while I was, while we were married, I got my PhD in, in LMF, you know, licensed marriage and family therapy or whatever. So we actually learned what I would call the hard way, (laughs) you know, like we had to figure it out on our own as I was going through my practice, you know, but I think really in general, when you first start dating someone, it's important that they have at least an open mind. If that's something that's important to you, if it, having an intellectual conversation is important to you, then you know you're going to want to make sure that that's part of a standard that you set when you start to date. You know, but in general, it depends on really what you're looking for. You know, I, I think you know. For me, I like to have intellectual conversation. My husband's intellectual, but he's not in the same. Um, he doesn't, he, he, he knows now, but when I first met him, we didn't, he didn't really talk about psychology. He didn't, we didn't talk about triggers. We didn't talk about anything. He was just a happy go lucky, fun, sweet, genuine soul that I fell in love with. And then we grew over time together. You know, a lot of people are like, Oh, you got to do the individual work before you get into a partnership. And that's not necessarily true. You know, I think it's important to do your own work. Don't get me wrong, but I think there's an aspect of it that it's important to do the growth work together because you have to learn how to do the communication together, how to manage the triggers together. You know, how, you know, what is part of your partner's story? For example, the person that you're dating now, some important questions would be, Hey, what, how did your, your family handle conflict? 
you know, mm-hmm. what would your relationship like with your mom, your father, your siblings, and really understand the psychology of how they were raised, right? And that's why I love couples therapy because my couples start to witness um, each other's story in a different way than they originally learned it during the first six months to a year, you know, of dating. Okay. So I want to go deeper here. Um, first, I want to ask you a little bit more with your husband for everybody listening, because I think that's very relatable. There's a lot of people who are like, okay, I'm, you know, I've worked on myself a lot and maybe their partner just has, has started working on themselves. Right. You guys grew together. How does that look without creating like a therapist uh, patient dynamic? Because I know there's a lot of very wise people listening and they don't want to mm-hmm. feel like they're the guru and their partner is the subject. So how do you navigate that in your own relationship? And what has that growth looked like? Well, I think it's about patience and then continued devotion to the process of evolving together. And when I say patience, that means like, for example, if you're starting to judge your partner, if you're starting to get into the ego aspect of your own work, right? Then you're creating a separation. You're creating a distance with your partner immediately as soon as you do that. So you're going to want to be mindful of how you're interacting with your relationship with yourself and how you're projecting that on your partner. So for example, if you're like, no, you need to do this and you need to do this and you know, you're not conscious enough and like kind of basically projecting inadequacy onto your partner because they're not exactly where you want them to be or desire them to be, that's not very helpful, right? So it's kind of like going slowly, right? With the process and and really coming from a place of vulnerability instead of schooling your partner, come from a place of vulnerability. So with my partner, I'm extremely vulnerable and that's how we learn. And that's how I learned from him too. We're very, very vulnerable now. At the beginning of our relationship, I mean, I remember you, Paul and I used to have arguments and I used to get his back because he had an avoidant attach, a dismissive attachment style. And I had an anxious and secure attachment style, you know, so it was the classic pursuer distancer type of relationship dynamic at the beginning, right? There was so much love in every other aspect of our lives. But when we fought, that's what it looked like, Ashley. You know, so we had to figure out like, okay, how do we turn towards each other? How do I not chase him to get him to talk? Right. How do I give him a timeout and calm my nerves and chill my cookies? If, you know, for another, for lack of a better word, you know, and my husband learning to like turn towards the emotion, right. In his family system, they never talked about emotion. Um, in my family system, they were very dramatic and emotional, but they didn't talk about emotions either. Right. So we had this dual sort of relationship dynamic that we were working with. And we actually had to like slowly with love, patience and devotion, because we love each other. Like there, when people meet Paul and I, you know, and see the love, right? Like it doesn't matter if we have an argument, like the love is always there. Right. But it's about really learning how to have repair from conflict, Mm -hmm. how to become aware of your trauma. I call it the five stages to conscious relationship mapping, Ashley. So the first stage is trauma awareness. This is for the audience just to help organize our conversation. The first one is trauma awareness. Like what did my husband go through? What did my wife go through? What did my partner go through? If you're in a same sex partnership, right? Accountability consciousness is the second, is the second stage, right? Because you can't be in a fully functioning relationship without having accountability. And I like to make this rule with my clients or guidelines. If you don't like the word rule, you know, I think that some of my clients that are rebels are like, no, no rules. You know, I'm like, okay, how about a guideline? You know, and the guideline is 
anything outside of normal conversation, both of you guys need to take accountability for it. Meaning if you catch an attitude or you roll your eyes or you have some type of body language that's just projecting some type of, you know, you're inadequate or some type of judgment, try to be like not hyper aware, but aware of your of your interactions and how you're being in relationship with your partner. And that's what I call accountability consciousness, right? So that's really important for the repair process because research shows that happily married couples are five times more positively acknowledging and they repair from every argument. That's the big difference between unhappily married couples and happily married couples by Dr. John and Julie Gottman. I love their work. So it's it's really about understanding. It's not that we're not going to fight. It's not that you're not going to have a moment where you're triggered is how do you manage it? So that's the second stage, right? And then how do you communicate? Conscious communication is the third stage, Mm -hmm. right? How do you relate to your emotions? Do you project them like you always, or you never, or you're the type of person who, or do you take accountability and say, Hey, listen, I'm sure that the story in my head about you is not exactly what you're trying to do. But the story that I'm thinking in my mind about this, the story I'm making in my mind is this and how I'm feeling right now. And this is why emotion focused communication is so essential, Ashley, because we get caught in like what I call political platform arguing styles, like right and wrong, Mm -hmm. very early on in the relationship dynamic. Like, no, no, you did this and no, and then you did this. And then, you know, here goes the escalated argument, right? (laughs) It's really stepping away from that taking a time out when you're triggered and then moving into that place of, I felt this way when this happened and moving forward, it would make a difference if you could do that. And we can break that down even more if you want, because that's that phrase that, that um, I feel when you, and it would make a difference is a beautiful phrase for people to learn and utilize in their relationship Anytime there's something that they want to make a request for, for what they need, want, or desire. I find that when my couples learn how to do it in a way that doesn't come across attacking or blaming or stonewalling them or scapegoating them, now we're in conscious communication, right? So that's the third stage. Fourth stage is emotional intimacy. And we can go into that if you want to. And the fifth stage is sacred sexuality. And that's where we talk about sex, your relationship with sex, like all that stuff, you know? And that's kind of how I structure a lot of my work. You said intimacy was the fourth stage. What was the wording that you used? Emotional intimacy, which is really about like rituals. Mm-hmm. How do you build rituals for connection? How do you have rituals for celebration in your love life, right? What are the things that are important to you and your beloved in relational dynamics? These are the questions that you really want to start to stick your teeth into. Because like, for example, my husband and I, we have this ritual where every night before we go to sleep, we'll talk about our favorite moments of the day. Right. And why do we do that? Because we're creating a celebration culture by doing that. Mm -hmm. And then another ritual that we have, because we have like four or five different businesses between all of us. Right. Mm -hmm. And between the both of us and we have busy schedules, you know, so a lot of the time, another ritual that we do is I like, I like love, conscious love, sacred love is about being practical. It's about being sacred. It's about being a priority. And it's about like maximizing the time that you have when you're together, you know, not zoning out on your phone and scrolling for hours, like do that on your own time, not when you're with your partner, you know? Mm -hmm. So it's like emotional intimacy ritual. Here's another one. That's kind of cool that I love asking your partner, how can I love you today? How can I best love you today? I ask my partner that every day. He asks me every day. And these are just small little intimacy rituals that are part of the five stages of conscious relationship mapping. 
that my husband and I do that makes such a difference. Like sometimes my husband will ask me that question. And I'm like, babe, three things that would absolutely do the way you could best love me today is touch me throughout the day. Um, you know, make me my favorite breakfast. If you have time, you know what I mean? Or if I'm like really busy, Hey, can you please order dinner in tonight? Right. And then when your partner does that, you relate that to, Oh, he's loving me now. Mm. He's loving me. He's showing up for me in that energy. And every time my husband does that, I appreciate it. I say, thank you. I think a lot of people forget to appreciate and really be in that gratitude cycle with your partner. And that's everything. Like, how do you appreciate, admire, and not take, you know, your life together for granted? Mm, Okay. So I have a couple questions kind of on this idea of um, trauma, like all these five stages. It's five stages, right? Trauma awareness, accountability. Okay. So One thing that I was thinking about was um, the vulnerability that happens at the beginning and even throughout. So, I mean, real vulnerability can look like always being the one that initiates sex. That could be something that is just happening or, you know, most of the time feeling like you're the one that's kind of like putting yourself out there for that. Or in the newer stages, it can be saying the L word first. Um, So I want to talk about pace, timing and rejection. Um, I was just sharing that, like I had shared with the new person that I was like the feelings that I was having, which was like falling in love with them. And I know that they feel the same way, but they weren't able to say it because they're just a little slower than I am with that. And so Mm -hmm. I had to work through my own rejection, my own feeling like, um, you know, why didn't he say it back and and somehow finding a way to act normal in the relationship and not sabotage it when I'm feeling rejected. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, Uh, I do. I'm curious, like, what is your feedback for people like having an experience like I did, where you put yourself out there with your feelings, or you're always initiating something that you really want the other person to be there with you? And I know you could have that communication you shared. If I felt X, this is the story I'm telling myself, it would be make a difference if Y. Mm-hmm. Um, but what can you share about pace, timing in a new relationship, and kind of um, that feeling maybe of like somebody's more ready than the other to move in together or to get married? Um, how yeah. to manage those pains and stay in connection. Yeah. So there's a couple of things. So managing pains, I'm just making sure. And then staying in connection. Can you remind me of that, Ash- Ashley, as we go? Yeah. Managing pain, staying in connection. Um, okay. And not sabotaging when you put and yourself not sabotaging. Yeah. Okay, cool. So this is a really big topic here. Um, so let's go back to the concept of like love. What does love mean to people? Right. So maybe for you, love is easier. Maybe it's easier for you to feel love and that might have to do something with attachment styles as well. Do you happen to know your attachment style, Ashley? Yeah. I have an anxious attachment style. Um, if I'm okay. somebody that's not good for me, I'm very secure when I'm, I tend to be with partners that are good for me. So right now, oh, sweet. Yeah. yeah, pretty secure okay. at this point, but sometimes anxious. Yeah, I totally get that. Okay. So sometimes with the anxious attachment style, sometimes it's difficult, right? To put yourself out there in hopes that someone else will actually feel the same way. What I recommend is making a decision about loving that person without the attachment of them loving you back, right? It's very difficult to do because you really have a lot of these feelings, right? But it really is a matter of what you feel like love is and what he feels like love is. Maybe he needs years, you know, to really start to, or a year 
to acknowledge. Maybe he needs more experiences. Maybe he needs to get to know you deeper. You know, it's sometimes it feels like, it go, you know, the courting process can go so quickly. And you're talking about pace, right? Yeah. The courting process can go so quickly and people fall in love so deeply. And listen, I'm, I'm more in love with my husband now than the, than the moment I met him. There's absolutely no doubt about that. But at the beginning, the question is, do you, can you love someone without really knowing them fully? Right. And what is it? That is kind of what it comes down to. And what does it mean to know someone? And what does it mean to have a connection that's so much deeper with someone than you've had with people you've known for 20 years, but maybe, you know, those people that you've known much better than, yeah. So yeah, here's for your take on that. And I know you talked about stages of a relationship. So still curious about like how to nurture yourself when maybe you're moving faster than somebody or you're moving slower than somebody and you feel rejected or you feel like you're not met. I think pace yeah. is an interesting topic in relationship and it can cause a power struggle, right? Sometimes. Yeah. Well, the power struggle is just a trust. You know, there's, there's a breach in trust somewhere like, can I trust this new person? Can I not? That's what actually like a power struggle is. It's the lack of trust. Right. Mm-hmm. Now, another thing to do is to realize like, how do you trust people normally? Forget this person that you're dating. It's like, how how easily are you able to trust someone, right? How easily are you able to open up? How easily is that process? How, do, how easily does that process happen for you? Because some people, it takes longer to open up, to love, to fall into that context, right? Yeah. So it's just a matter of really kind of figuring out for yourself, you know, if I'm vulnerable, I'm going to be vulnerable for myself, I'm not going to be vulnerable. So that way the other person can meet me in that vulnerability. It's like, it's like a, it's a bigger decision in your life. It's like, I'm going to choose to be vulnerable no matter how the other person shows up because that's how I want to live my life, right? I want to live my life authentic. I want to live my life by saying the truth that I love this person. And when they're ready, I'm going to accept and, and I'm going to accept their love back. Right. And the rejection piece is just kind of like looking at your trigger around that. Right. What is the trigger? Have you had moments of rejection in the past? What what are the stories or the trance cycles? Like I like to call them um, trance cycles or like subconscious trance cycles that are like sabotaging. And it's really important. Like I do that with my clients a lot. I'll do a trance cycle on them of usually the trance cycle happens between one and 10 years old, by the way. So we'll map their trance cycle out and then we'll see where they're sabotaging. And then we'll map the solution cycle around that, which is something that I like to do with my clients. So that will really help. So you might have like a rejection trance cycle, right? Mm -hmm. Where the rejection happens. And all of a sudden I go into this trance, my body tightens up. Maybe I don't pick up the phone as often. Maybe, you know, maybe you don't, right. But maybe someone else might be, well, I'm not going to pick up the phone or I'm not going to text him back today, or I'm going to, you know, like the punishing thing, right. There's a sabotaging aspect to that. Mm -hmm. So it's like, when you do it, breathe through the rejection, right? And by the way, it doesn't actually mean rejection. That's the trance. That's the whole trance of it. That's the mindfuck, if you will, right? It's not actually a rejection. It's just how we feel. So it's like, I'm breathing into the rejection. I'm recognizing that rejection is difficult for me, right? I'm doing all the... And I mean, we're talking about this very surface level here, Ashley. Like, I'm talking like, you really need to understand that rejection cycle. If you... You know, mine was an inadequacy cycle, like not feeling good enough, right? So um, it's really about understanding all of those pieces to help manage 
the rejection when it does come up. But the rejection is the story that you're making about it. It's not actually that he's rejecting you. It might be that he just needs more time. It might just mean, mean that he has a different relationship with love or a different relationship or attachment to what that looks like in his life. And that there's something very neutral about that. But I also think like whatever the rejection is. So in my case, it's like me dropping the L-bomb and the person's not ready. Um, But maybe for someone else, it's like what I was talking about, like initiating sex and feeling like the other person doesn't want them or whatever story that they have going on. Even if the story can be rewritten and neutralized in their head and they can, you know, what was the, the trance that you said, the trance that they go into from their upbringing ages one through 10. Mm-hmm. How do how do you what is that shifting point? You said breathe through it when it's happening, but you know, yeah. like it's kind of shut down, and it's like you you feel this sense of like I'm just shut down. I don't know yeah. how to be normal. Like I feel like it's like in the movies where they're like act normal. Like I feel like that's what it can be like in relationships. Like we need to act normal right now, but I don't feel normal. I don't feel okay. Or I don't feel safe. I think there's a lot around safety in relationships. Yeah, totally. Hey, U-Turners. This episode is sponsored in part by our friends over at Athletic Greens. And what I love the most about them is that their products are not only carbon neutral, but they taste amazing. I started taking Athletic Greens because I really wanted to get all the nutrients and vitamins possible in one swoop. And I just couldn't bring myself to drink all those green vegetable smoothies that taste like the grass. So I wanted something that actually tastes good and was perfect for me. And I've been on Athletic Greens for a few weeks now, and I am just loving it. It doesn't taste like it's super healthy. You know, it has kind of a mild tropical taste that I actually look forward to every morning. And with one scoop of Athletic Greens, you're absorbing 75 high quality vitamins, minerals, whole food source, superfoods, probiotics, and adaptogens to help you start your day right. So this really special blend of ingredients is so supportive for your gut health, your nervous system, your immune system, your energy, recovery, focus, anti-aging, all the things. Right now, it is so time to reclaim your health and arm your immune system with convenient daily nutrition especially as we're in flu and cold season. It's just one scoop in a cup of water every day. I even throw mine in my smoothie. So to make it easy, Athletic Greens is going to give you a free one-year supply of immune-supporting vitamin D and five free travel packs with your first purchase. All you have to do is visit athleticgreens.com slash U-Turn. Again, that's athleticgreens.com slash Y-O-U-T-U-R-N to take ownership over your health and pick up the ultimate daily nutritional insurance. And they're giving one year of vitamin D that is so insane with your first order. I'm so excited for you to check it out. Now let's get back to this week's episode. I would be vulnerable with my partner about it. Like I would definitely turn to them and be like, Hey, listen, you know, especially if they're going to be the person for you. And I know you talked about timing, of course, but you know, I have made the decision in my life that I'm going to be vulnerable no matter what. Right. So if you make the decision, no matter what, I'm going to be vulnerable. I'm going to be authentic and I'm going to share my truth. Right. Even if I might be feel rejected, even if I might have one of my triggers coming up, whatever the case may be, I'm still going to turn towards that partner Instead of sitting there in that shutdown trance or that sabotaging trance where I start to go inward and I start to make all these stories up about it, right? So you could turn to your partner and say, well, first self-regulate yourself, 
right? Self-regulation is a big part of it. Breathe, notice where the triggers are coming up. Maybe do some movement. You can do some embodiment. When I have stuff, my trans cycles come up for me. I like to just take some time in nature. I like to walk. I like to listen to 7.83 Hertz, which is um, the, the sound of earth and space, right? I like to sit by my fire. I take it really easy with myself when I'm in my trance cycles. Mm-hmm. You know, if I, if I could, you know, before it would take me months to get out of my trance cycle, by the way, Ashley, you know, now it might take a couple of hours, you know what I mean? For me to recognize, oh, there's that trance cycle again. Okay, wait, what is this about? And then turn to my partner and say, hey, listen, you know, this is part of my trance. This is part of the story that I create about things at times. And this has nothing to do with you, which is conscious communication. Yeah. But I felt really rejected when I said that I loved you. And I'm not telling you that you have to tell me that you love me. It's just, I want you to know what I'm going through and my emotions and my feelings. Now, I don't know how well that partner is going to be able to show up for that. Because a lot of the times people are like, you know, oh no, I didn't mean to to make you feel like that. And it's like, well, I know you didn't make me feel like that, right? If nobody makes anyone feel like something, you know, we feel our things on our own based off our own reality and experiences life with life. And then we share them with that person. So depending on how far along they are with like understanding how to communicate, that will depend on how that conversation goes. But if he can turn to you and say, listen, it's not that I don't like you. And it's not that I'm rejecting you. It's actually, I, I think you're hot. I think you're amazing. You can even maybe ask, you know, it'd be great to get a little bit of reassurance about yeah. where are you at in the relationship, right? Where are you in the relationship? How do you feel about me? You know, can you give me some words around that? And hopefully they're at least decent with their ability to communicate. They don't have to be, you know, the, you know, the Taj Mahal, you know what I mean? Like yeah. coming at you with all this stuff, but you know, hey, listen, I think you're beautiful. I think you're sexy. I like hanging out with you. I love making love to you. You're the best person that I've met in a long ass time. It's just the L word for me. I want to say it when I really, really mean it. And that doesn't mean that I'm not falling in love with you. It just means that I'm not a hundred percent there yet. Yeah. Okay. So this is really amazing. And I think it can apply to any sort of pacing thing. I want to ask also just about pacing in general, from a standpoint of power struggles. I think a lot of couples, they just move in the world at a different pace, not even just with their feelings, but with their action steps or things that they want. And there can be this chronic power struggle in relationships where one person's ready for this, that, and the other thing, and the other one's not. And they can feel very much like they're always waiting for the other person or, you know, they're not met by the other person. Um, What can you share about that? And then I also want to ask about the stages of dating. Well, yeah. So not being met by a partner means that both people in the relationship are not safe. Uh You know, they're just not emotionally safe. And maybe they don't even know what that means to be emotionally safe. Right. And so that's where you want to kind of go in and do some discovery. Like, hey, what was it like for you to share your emotions when you were younger? What was it like? You know, who talked to you about how you felt? Right. Um, did anyone listen to you? Even if they didn't talk about emotions, did, were you able to have a, a moment of venting or, you know, where did you learn about emotional uh, intimacy? Really? Cause that's what we're talking about here. We're talking about emotional intimacy and vulnerability. Brene Brown's is fan. Brene Brown's work is fantastic on vulnerability. I love all of her books. You know, if you're really kind of just starting out, if you know, those that are listening with how do I be vulnerable? What does that mean? You know, first of all, it's courageous as hell. I think that's what she really defined it as courage. 
you know, the courage to be open and authentic. And so when we're talking about power struggles, Paul and I were actually in a power struggle at the beginning of our relationship, like straight up, Ashley, we were. And that's because I wasn't acknowledging at the time that I had trust issues. Like I had, I didn't, I had trust issues. I had trust issues from family situations that I had growing up. You know, I had trust issues, not so much being cheated on that type of thing, you know, but like, how much can I open myself up kind of thing? Does that make sense? Now I'm like an open book, obviously, as you can tell, I'm like, you know, spewing out stuff like left and right all the time. Now, I think it's because I talk about it with all my couples at the time, but back then, you know, 15 years ago, when I met Paul, it was kind of like very much like a power struggle. You know, if I, I didn't know how to communicate back then either. You know, like sometimes how we communicate to our partners, meaning do we make them feel attacked? Do we make them feel small? Do we make them feel inadequate? Are we judging them? You know, if you're doing that, you're going to get a defensive partner. You're not going to get a partner that's going to meet you, right? And so it's like, how do we both together learn how to be vulnerable, how to be emotionally intimate, And sometimes it's really going back back into some of the narratives of like, you know, their emotional, like, remember, I was talking about emotionology, like understanding emotions. Like, for example, when I do couples work, I ask, what are five emotions that you would describe your mother at? You know, five five adjectives that you would describe your father as, right? And really just kind of understanding, like, where does this person that you're falling in love with come from? Mm -hmm. You know, where do they come from? What's their background? And then how can we start to slowly but surely because and that's why you know it we're co- kind of going back to the beginning of our podcast finding someone with an open mind to learn together not learn from you but to learn together through this road through our vulnerabilities and turning towards each other that's the commitment that i think people would need to make mm-hmm. in order for a relationship to really thrive anyone can be in a surviving partnership Anyone can, but a sacred thriving partnership, it's really a devotion to evolution and growth over a lifetime. Mm. And I think that's, that's kind of like, you know, when you're not being met by your partner, it's kind of like being vulnerable. And if there's a wall there, because a lot of times there is, it's kind of like curiosity. Why, why is there a wall and how am I contributing even better question, Ashley, how am I contributing to that wall? Mm. Mm-hmm. Right. Okay. You know, these are these are these are kind of like light bulb moments, right? That people start to ask themselves once they once they start to stop the stories in their heads. Because, like, I don't know if you've ever heard of like negative sentiment override and positive sentiment override. That's like by um John and Julie Gottman's work. Mm-hmm. So, like, positive sentiment override is like having a positive request when you ask for something. And here's, here's something that's so, so simple. And I think people can relate to Ashley. Like this is actually something that happened with, with Paul and I back in the day, I would come home from work eight hours of sessions. You know what I mean? I'd be like, why is there just still dishes in the sink? Like you've been here for three hours already, babe. Like really, you know, I would get an attitude. I would be pissed off. Maybe I would like throw, you know, throw the dishes in the sink with a little attitude. You know, I was sassy back then, you know? And now it's like they're the right way to ask your partner or the, the, the way that you're going to get a response from without attacking them or belittling them, right? And you're expecting them to just do the work or do the thing that you'd like them or desire them to do. You have to ask with respect, mm-hmm. right? With respect and with compassion and understanding that you're not the main character in your partner's life. They're their main character. 
I'm my main character and we're living life together. So we respect each other in that way. And that's why, you know, for example, Facing Codependence, Pia Melody's book is fantastic to understand how to like uncouple yourself from this codependent dynamic, right? So that the right request or the the conscious way or the this the best way, I guess you could say, or the way that your partner's not going to put up that wall is kind of like, hey, honey, I've been feeling really overwhelmed from work because that's the truth, right? I've been really feeling tired and exhausted. And when I come home, it would really be great if you could please take care of the dishes so we could spend some time together and have some quality time together at night, maybe even have some sex, right? Now your partner's like, yeah, cool. I can do that as opposed to being attacked for it. Mm -hmm. And, you know, that's why there's that wall that goes up, you know, and also that wall is involved with a lot of expectations too. Like ask yourself, what are the expectations that I have of your partner? And I don't mean standards for love. Standards are a little bit different. Expectations carry like this note of you must do this for me or you're bad. You must do this for me or I'm not having sex with you. It's very punishing, I think, in that in that relationship. So, okay, this is all so good. And you initially we we'd mentioned the first 6 to 12 months and I'm sure this yeah. kind of applies to people who maybe have more entrenched dynamics that they could kind of go back to the basics if they can. I mean, sometimes dynamics are just super set. But were you referencing that that list of five trauma awareness, accountability, consciousness, conscious communication, emotional intimacy, and sacred sexuality? Are those the five things that really set up the dynamic in the first six to 12 months? Is that what you're referencing? I would say, I would say that that sets up the dynamic in the beginning, the middle and the end of relationship. Like I have couples that I work with that are 60 years old, 65 years old, Ashley, and they have been entrenched for 30 years in their partnerships. And then all of a sudden, they start doing the work and they start looking at, Hey, how do, how am I aware of my traumatic environment, my, my traumatic relationship with, with my family system? What are the traumas that I went through? And by the way, it doesn't mean you had a bad family system. Sometimes just not talking about emotions can be traumatizing if it's chronic enough, enough. And if it lasts for long enough, does that make sense? Like I came from a really awesome Jewish, Italian, Italian, Irish family. <laughs> Nobody listened to anyone, you know what I mean? Because everyone was so busy talking over the other person in my family system, but they were all loving, right? Mm -hmm. It's just that, but now you take a loving feeling like that. Everyone's talking over each other. My trigger was not feeling heard in a partnership, not feeling heard, which a lot of couples have, right? So it's never too late. I want to say this. It's never, ever too late for you to work on your relationship dynamics and dialing them in. Is it smart to start at six to eight months, six months to a year? Hell yeah, Ashley, 100%. And I would get into all that stuff right at the beginning. Are you tired of attending meeting after meeting? Meetings are filled with way too many people who need to be quote unquote in the loop. And it's getting harder to be heard or recognized for your contribution and your ideas. Your calendar is probably jam-packed and you're burnt out on meetings and so is everyone else. Recently, I started using Loom, which is a video messaging platform for my work. So on Loom, I can record my computer screen, my camera, 
or both and explain a workflow or ask a series of questions and send that content off to my team to review it when they're free. Hello, less meetings. This tool has been such a savior for my company and for me and my work when it comes to productivity and just saving everyone time. All you have to do is hit the record button on Loom and instantly share the video with a link of your screen. You want to have time to think, create, and do great work. You want to share your ideas and feel a personal connection with your team. And of course, you want to have control of your calendar. That's why I am so excited to be partnering with Loom here today. Loom lets you say more in less time so you can get back to the work that you truly love. I love this app so much. I spoke with Loom and they're gifting you a free 14-day trial of their business plan, which is unlimited creator seats, videos, recording length, and you can even remove filler words with one single click. Their technology will do that. So simply visit ashleystall.com slash Loom for the special offer. Again, that's ashleystall, A-S-H-L-E-Y-S-T-A-H-L.com slash L-O-O-M. Now let's get back to this week's episode episode. Well, so that's what I wanted to ask you. You said right at the beginning, like obviously um, there's like a courting phase and a getting to know each other phase. Um, What message do you have about like timing, like something new that's going too fast or is there such a thing? And then also you talk about the lifespan of a relationship, the stages. Is there anything Mm -hmm. further you could share on that? Well, yeah. In other words, you know, the five stages that I talked about here, there's actually layers and layers and layers to it, right? It's 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 like an expanding of the relationship. It's an expanding of the self. Like Paul and I did this work. We started doing this work six years ago when I first started to really understand and started to master it with my couple's work that I was doing. Right. And, um, I would, the way that I would talk to my husband about it without becoming his therapist is I would just be like, Hey babe, you know, I did this really awesome intervention today. It was really cool. Let me talk to you about it. And then Paul would be like, Oh, that's really cool. Like maybe we should start trying that out. You know what I mean? And -hmm. then it would just happen naturally, but these different stages, they happen and they evolve over time. Like sex is constantly evolving. Emotional intimacy, constantly evolving. And so there's layers to all of it. At the beginning of the relationship, it's it's newer. Mm-hmm. It's a little lighter. It's a little lighter sort of, right? Mm-hmm. It's not as heavy, right? But once you have your first couple of triggers or your first couple of arguments, that's when you can start to apply some of these things. Like, hey, can you tell me a little bit about conflict or emotions or how do you feel about them? And then you can start to get into these conversations on your own Mm -hmm. and like self-resource yourself around these topics. Right. But ultimately I think it's, it's getting resourced and finding online courses, programs, things that you guys can do together to learn. Like, obviously I work with couples and individuals and families too, but Paul and I, I go and I have my own therapist. I have my own coaches. I have my own programs that I take with my husband. Like we're taking a sacred sexuality program right now because I don't want to teach. You know, my husband knows almost everything that I know because we talk about things all the time, you know? So it's not like he doesn't know about these concepts and stuff, but I don't want to be the one that's leading that. I like to go and be in a container with someone else where someone else is leading us. Mm -hmm. I like. Okay. So, um, how do you navigate in partnership where you're seeing shortcomings and 
I, I guess that's kind of a judgmental word, but I feel like, you know, everybody has their things. Oh yeah. It, shortcomings is fine. There's yeah. nothing wrong with me having a discerning way of looking at something, you know? Yeah. yeah that's fine. Being able mm-hmm. to share that with a partner and say, Hey, I'm noticing that you're doing this thing. Um, do you have any feedback? I, on deliver <laughs> feedback. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah. I think it's a great question. Again, going back, you're going to see a theme in most everything that I say, go back to how it makes you feel. Mm. Don't give advice. Nobody likes to listen to your advice. Nobody cares about your opinion. You know what I mean? Take your ego out of it and go to the emotion. Hmm. How do I feel when this person is doing this? Give me an example. Can you give me an example? Well, there's two different types of examples. One is like, let's say you're dating someone who said that they're going to work on, you know, their body and they they've been really hard on themselves. They gained the COVID 20 or whatever, and you're fine with it, but <laughs> they're not. And they're going on and on about it. And you just want to call them out. So there's like a call out, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and you want to give kind of advice, like, Hey, did you notice that you're doing this? And you said that, you know what I mean? Something like that. Yeah. Like, um, can you, like, what are they doing exactly? Like, um, I don't know, like I have a friend whose partner keeps talking about how he's like really unhappy with his body since COVID and it's really affecting their dynamic because he's just really down on himself. Oh yeah. Um, and it's affecting their sex life. I have like three friends. Yeah. And it's affecting their sex life. And she's like, look, obviously yeah. I'm more attracted to him when he's happy in his body. And you know, if he doesn't feel good in his body, obviously that affects me, but you know, it's like, you don't want okay, to good. partner and bother them. So how do you just like kind of point something out lovingly? No, I think that's great. I actually think you just said it, you know, Hey, I, I feel worried and anxious, or I'm not sure what the feeling would be. Let me think about that for a second. What feeling do you think she's having? Yeah. I think she's um, probably worried. Yeah. That's a good, very worried. Okay. So worried. And I also want to say like, um, there's another feeling that's happening here. Um, let's just go with worried, but I'm sure there's more feelings there. Okay. So if you're, when you're listening to this podcast, think about what you're really feeling, like actually write your words down, like worried, anxious. Um, uh, I think she might also be feeling something about her sex life. Mm -hmm. What, what, what would you feel her like disconnected maybe? Yeah. 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 Okay. She loves her sex life and she doesn't want it to go away. Okay. Yeah. So maybe, yeah. All right. That's a good one. Okay. So if it's, if it's not disconnected, it's sad. Yeah. 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 Sad and disappointed. Really. Yeah. And worried. So without like making the other person feel bad and, and almost not inspiring them to kind of rise up. Like totally. Okay. So it go like this. So I noticed how hard you're working, you know, depending on, for example, if he's working on his body or not, is he working on his body or is he just talking about it? He's just talking about it. Oh, that's great. Okay. So, um, I was, so first you want to do a soft start. Okay. So a soft start is two or three acknowledgements, something that you love about your partner's body that you know, you can't get enough of. Like I love your body. I love your calf muscles, you know, or I love whatever, depending on what the context of the conversation is, you want to do some type of acknowledgement, or you could say something like this, because it's kind of related to their sex life. I love it when you're the happiest man, when you're happy with yourself. I love it when we can have sex and I know you feel comfortable in your own body. And lately, and then here's, we go into, here's, we go into the feeling I've been feeling worried, sad and disappointed 
and fearful even because I've noticed um, that, let me think about this. So um, because I've noticed that you haven't been feeling very good about yourself and I've been feeling like it's affecting our sex life because you're not feeling good and I am feeling kind of sad about it, you know, and fearful that our sex life is going to start to maybe dwindle away. And I don't want that. Right. So I'm being clear about what I want. And it would really make a difference to me if you could um, tell me a way that I could support you. Or maybe we could have a curious conversation about how we can get you to feel better in your body. Mm. Okay. Love that. And, you know, I think um, attraction, like just to follow this topic, is such an interesting topic because it feels like sex moves as you're in a partnership. And I know one of the yeah. things that we would mention is maintenance, like relationship maintenance. And I feel like sex is one of those things that so many couples are like, oh, I remember in the beginning when we used to have so much sex and now we don't do it. And it's like a dog, a, a kid, or just like a, a grudge or resentment. Um, yeah. What can you share um, for anyone listening who feels like the spark you know, quote unquote, is gone or not the same anymore. And they're worried about that. Yeah. Well, you know, I think I might ask, like, if the spark is gone, I would probably start asking, like, well, how have you maintained the relationship to begin with? Hmm. You know, like, how have you maintained the relationship? Have you, you know, what's your relationship with sex and sexuality? You know, like, for example, like in the middle of my marriage with Paul, I noticed that I, he was much more interested in sex for a while in the middle part of our marriage. Um, and I noticed that I would like say no to pleasure more often than not. Mm -hmm. And I would, you know, so I had to start doing some work around that for myself and kind of asking myself, like, what turns Eva on, right? What makes me feel sexy? You know, because every, I think everything at the beginning of my relationship was how can I service the man? Like, how can I be of service? How can I make him happy? Right. I never thought about my own sexuality. And it's funny because I was a passion artist consultant for like 10 years before I became um, a therapist. Like I sold sex toys and lubricants and all sorts of fun stuff before I, you know, got, became a licensed therapist. And it was kind of an interesting thing because I thought like, oh man, I'm like the most open-minded person I know, blah, 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 dot, dot, dot. You know what I mean? And then all of a sudden I get into a relationship and all of a sudden I'm noticing how I'm shutting down in certain ways. I'm like, Hmm, I wonder what's going on there. Right. Mm-hmm. So I have to do my own self-exploration. And so that's kind of like what I mean by maintaining yourself and the relationship dynamic. How am I attuning to my relationship with myself? intimacy, vulnerability, sexuality, all the stuff, right? And then how am I attuning with my partner? If you can't answer that question, then you can't have content that your relationship is not where you want it to be because you haven't done the work. You know, you haven't done the work. You can't expect it. You know, it's not like you walk down the aisle and like all of a sudden everything is just like a magical fucking fairyland. You know what I mean? That doesn't work like that. You know, it's like, oh, we're never, we're going to walk down the aisle Now we're going to agree on everything. Does that sound good, honey? That sounds fantastic. Okay. That's not going to happen. Yeah. Right. So it's like getting into all of these things and doing the work. I think the bigger problem here, Ashley, is that a lot of couples, not, not so much anymore. I mean, I I work with a lot of couples. I really do. I think 20, 25 couples a week that I work with. Right. So there's couples out there that are wanting to do the work. There's couples out there that are desiring to do the work, but there are some couples that are just not doing the work. Mm -hmm. And of course, contempt and resentment follows through. And then going back 
to, and by the way, contempt is the number one sign for divorce. That's what research shows by doctors, John and Julie Gottman. If you have contempt or resentment in your relationship, start doing the work now. Find a therapist, find a coach, find someone that you like, make sure that you like their personality, that you get along with them and stuff like that too, because that's important. The relationship with your therapist is key. It's like absolutely essential, I think, to growth. And then the other part that you talked about going back to the beginning of the relationship is don't date someone that you're not sexually attracted to. I think a lot of people make compromises, you know, like, oh, they have money or they have a, you know, they have a a beautiful car or they have, you know, the lifestyle that I want to live or, you know, whatever the case may be, but there's no attraction. Yeah. Like there's no chemistry. You know, you can't fake chemistry for 50 years. You know what I mean? You either have it or you don't. You know, 20 pounds, by the way, 20, 30 pounds ain't going to kill chemistry if you have it. Mm. You know, like Paul and I, we both went up and down in weight. Like I think I got up a little bit. He got up in weight. It's funny. We look back at our pictures now and we're like, damn, we got a little (laughs) chubby. (laughs) You know what I mean? But it's funny when I think back to that place and when Paul thinks back to that time in our lives, which, which there was a lot of stress. He was a restaurant owner. You know what I mean? There's so many reasons why all that shit was happening to us. And we just weren't in complete control and power over our own sovereignty and lives at that point. Cause we were just like figuring it out. Just like all, just like everyone else's, you know? Yeah. And, um, you know, um, we always talk about how even with 10, 15 pounds, 20 pounds on us, you know, even 30 pounds there, I say my husband's six, three, you know, so he can carry his weight. Right. Mm-hmm. I think he had an extra 40 pounds on him, which was to me, I didn't even care really. It was more just about what makes him feel good. You know, just like with me, what makes me feel good. And so we have a certain weight that we like because we feel good and we feel our sexiest at. And so we work out, we bike ride, we have a great lifestyle together and individually, but sex chemistry is not going to be put off by 20, 30, 40 pounds. You know, like it's, you know, chemistry is there. Chemistry is actually not visual, by the way. Chemistry is through smell. Our first sign of sexual attraction is through the sense of smell. Hmm. If you don't have that, it doesn't matter if you gain 20 pounds, 30 pounds or not, chemistry is going to die off. That's so, that makes sense. I would like, what a reminder that we're like freaking animals. Like, what do you even mean by that? Like pheromones? Exactly. Pheromones. That's like straight up. Straight up. Yeah. Straight up. (laughs) Straight up pheromones. Yeah. Straight up pheromones. And like, you know, it's chemistry. Like when you like the smell of your partner, those are good signs, right? When, you know, you perform oral sex and you like the smell of their erogenous zones. I know that sounds kind of crazy, but this is primal. Like part of sex is primal. And when we're tapping into that primal sexuality, smell is everything, you know? And also, by the way, now that we're talking about this, you can have great chemistry, but if you let yourself go, meaning I'm not cutting my hair and I'm not working out at all, like there's a difference between getting, gaining 10, 15 pounds because like, for example, like women go into menopause, okay? It's a little bit harder for women at some point in their lives to lose weight because their testosterone and estrogen levels and all that stuff starts to get out of whack. Okay. But does that mean they just give up on life and they don't work out on a daily basis or walk for an hour? It's like, if you're living a lifestyle where you're active and you're walking and you're going to the gym and you're eating healthy and you're still can't lose the extra 10 or 15 pounds, 
that's that's not what we're talking about here in terms of letting some you letting some letting yourself go. If you're letting yourself go, meaning I'm not working out at all, I'm eating like shit, I'm not taking a shower, I'm not putting deodorant on, I'm not wearing cologne, I'm not wearing perfume. Well, then you know what? You get what you get. Yeah. You know, you're not going to have a great sex life like that. Yeah. Yeah. And it, it, all of these pieces take that kind of maintenance. I feel like I can ask you so many questions. What have I not asked you about <laughs> I don't know. dynamics, like anything that keeps the relationship going that you feel like would be important to share if anything? I feel like you have so much. Yeah. Yeah. I think it's like grow. It's like committing and devoting. Like I have a new program coming out and I know I wanted to share this with you. And I mentioned it earlier and I just came up with the name last night, like hey! like 2 a.m. in the morning. It was like 2 a.m. in the morning. I'm like, babe. And he's like half asleep. I'm like, devoted. That's that's the love name that. of the new program, you know? And he's like, awesome, baby. I love you. Good night, you know? <laughs> so, you know, he's like my ride or die for sure. You know, I love him. But um, the new program is called Devoted because, and, and it's a high performance container for individuals and couples. And the reason why I'm using the word high performance is because, you know, living in today's day and age with kids and jobs, I mean, we spend so much time at work. I mean, I think like 90, 100,000 hours out of our life, right? Of like working, right? And then working out, you know, and doing all these things. The relationship needs to be sacred, but also practical, right? Mm -hmm. Practical is like, how can we be high performing when it comes to, you know, our love life, when it comes to our sex life, when it comes to intimacy, when it comes to communication, when it comes to all the aspects of our lives, how can we be high performing, which is sort of like a power couple, if you want to use or I don't love the word power, right. But it's kind of like, you know, an acronym for I think what people, you know, or a, a synonym for what people construct of what, is what, I, of what I'm talking about here. But in my mind, I think high performance is like, how can we create a relationship that is both practical and quality and sacred, right? It's all of those things. So that way we're putting priority in uh, putting a container around the priority of our relationship. And so that's going to be the devoted um, program. Um, sacred devoted love is the name is going to be a one-year container. And I'm really excited about it because it's my first big, long, you know, one-year container program. Cause I usually do individual one-on-one -on -one work. And so I'm excited to be able to offer this to, you know, people that are ready to evolve into a conscious, sacred tuned in, you know, fully tuned in and turned on partnership, you know, people that are not wanting to settle at all. When you say devoted, um, is, starting or, you know, or that you're doing this one year container, is it for couples or is it for individuals? Both. Yeah. I'm doing both individuals and couples because I think there are people that really want to learn how to build a, this kind of relationship that I'm speaking about. And I don't want to just keep it for just couples. I want people, individuals and couples that want to either learn on some scale. And a lot of it is going to be um, not just, you know, educational stuff, but it, we're going to be doing embodiment work we're going to be doing experiential exercises. I do a lot of sound healing and meditation and grounding work with my couples and my individuals as well, because I think it's about all the aspects of life coming together. And that's what I want this container to be like. Beautiful. Thank you so much for coming on the show. Where can everybody find you, find out about the Devoted Program and more? Yeah. So sacredlifepartners.com is my, my new website. Um, the other website is couple seeking solutions, 
Um, and of course, Sacred Partners on Instagram and Facebook. My name is Eva Brown. Burnett is my married name, Burnett, but I go by Brown for everything that I do. <laughs> you know what I mean? So um, yeah, you guys can find me on Facebook or Instagram. Thank you so much for coming onto the show. Thank you, Ashley. I appreciate you. Thank you so much for tuning into the U-Turn podcast. And thank you again so much for our sponsors. We are here because of you and to our listeners. Thank you for checking out our sponsors. We always pick people and brands that we trust and we believe in. And just for listening to the show, writing your reviews on the Apple app, and just being willing to make your own U-Turns. We'll see you next week.